And here we are with our final uh, draft preparation show of the year. I'm Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked on MLB Prospects. He's Jeff Ellis, host of Locked on Guardians. And we've been talking now for seemingly weeks about Drew Jones probably going number one to Baltimore. And uh, now I feel like we're both not entirely sure as we sit here on Friday afternoon preparing for our draft coverage, which is live 9 p.m. Eastern on uh, Sunday on our YouTube channel. But uh, interesting news coming out today about who might go number one to Baltimore, Jeff. Yeah. So listen, I think anyone who's paying attention to sports knows that uh, no matter how tight the ship is, like look at the NBA draft, you don't have to look any further than that, that all of a sudden uh, Vegas shifted. And when Vegas shifted, everyone's like, oh, it's a surprise. Who is going one? And, uh, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't a surprise. Like I said, it was in, in the NBA, it was Pablo. Uh, I'm not going to try to say his last name because I'll butcher it. But <laughs> we got kind of a, a I don't know if I want to say a similar situation, but there has been a thought that Brooks Lee makes sense. If you go back, I mean, I can pull up my way too early mock draft and I can brag about that if this happens because then I will have been right. That is who I pegged to them way back at the literally the day after the season ended. I always do one of those. And yeah, so it, it makes sense from a few perspectives on it. Um, listen, he's probably not going to stick it short, but I wouldn't say it's a non-zero chance. And this is a team that has really zero upper level shortstop prospects. Uh, he can hit. He was a borderline first round talent out of high school. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to consider Brooklyn. He doesn't, you know, more than likely, he's not an up the middle player, which is one ding, and he maybe not doesn't have the ceiling. But I, I can understand the logic, and you know, I I had Henry Davis as my number one player a year ago, which went against the thought. But I think you have to consider bonus money, like how much it's going to cost you as part of the equation for teams. So when you're trying to make a board, listen, you and I don't have all the bonus money. I'm sure you get te- texted <laughs> some, like I do. I uh, occasionally get texted the ones that uh, that disagree with each other. But, you know, if I knew all of the bonus money, it would definitely change my board. Like, there's no way around it. And I think yeah. that's kind of what you have to look like here. I I like Drew Jones quite a bit. Is he like a 1-1 generational type to me? No. But uh, I get I get the why. Um, but I will say at the same time, like, Lee is fourth on my board just because of that lack of ceiling. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I think a big part of this is the money. And the Orioles, you know, they've got Gunnar Henderson there at AAA. And, you know, they have... They have a couple guys that they could move around the infield, but adding a talent like Brooks Lee and saving money so that you can then turn around and do uh, go get some other prep talents has to definitely be appealing. Uh, and and so if that happens, it it throws a wrench into that whole conversation we've been having for a while about Drew Jones, Jackson Holiday, um, and and Elijah Green were kind of the three big talents at the top of the board. If if you do see something like a Brooks Lee going to Baltimore at one, who of that top three falls the most? Um, And I think for me, the thought process that I have on that is probably Elijah Green. I feel like it's the odd man out. Uh, Drew Jones is talked about well enough by a lot of people where I feel like he's not going to fall very far, but uh, Drew Jones to, I'm sorry, not Drew Jones. Elijah Green, to me, feels like the guy that there's enough question about the swing and miss that he has in his game right now, where if you're going to ding somebody in that top three, it's going to be him. But I've seen other mocks and other reports that have Jackson Holiday as the guy that might fall. Who do, you, who do you see as most likely out of that top three to fall farther than third overall when they finally get picked? 
you know, I, so, you know, if I'm just being honest, it's like I, I'm doing mocks all, <laughs> at this point, like almost all day in my head. Uh, I think there's a good chance that both of them uh, fall out of the top three. Uh, you know, I, I think green is, but here's what's going to happen. Either we know Drew Jones goes two in that case. So then three, the question becomes, is it holiday or is it Parada? I still think Parada. That's been kind of my sticking point for most of the year, just because they've been a very conservative, safer drafting front office. Uh, so if it's... And Baseball America had, uh, in their newest mock on Friday, they had Parada going three to the Rangers. So good And that's, there. you know, I, I've been calling that one since about April, just because it makes sense. Like, you know, we hear so much of mocks get based on smoke, and I'm like, well, let's look at what they actually do. So if that occurs we know the nationals want Parada or green. So if mm-hmm. Prada goes three, then that means green's going five, four is likely Tamar Johnson. That means holiday goes to six. Uh, like, I still feel like the, that top six is pretty chalk, you know, going to go in some order of chalk like that. We're going to see something in there. Uh, it just comes to, you know, I was trying to go through and if you believe some of the stuff of late and I do, I, uh, you know, it, it feels like, even though like I like Cam Collier quite a bit, like he might be the guy who ends up losing some steam right now. Yeah, and it's something, you know, the the, the Cam Collier situation is really interesting. So, uh, looks like he, he's going to be one of the top players, uh, reclassifies, goes pro a year early, goes to junior college, I say pro, goes to junior college. Uh, he has a year of time at the Cape now. Uh, he has a full season at Chippewa College, and he's still, I think, only 17, right? I think he turns 18 sometime soon after the draft. And so, uh, being a younger player, I've seen him as high as four to the Pirates. I've seen him at the Nash, uh, the Marlins. That's been a common place that I've seen him. Where do you think Cam Collier ends up if the if that top kind of goes chalk like we've talked about here? You know, in my head, there was a few natural spots. Like a lot of people have talked Cubs, but the, I really think Nito ends up going there. Nieto, I should say. Uh, I think that's just kind of a gut feel and one of the things where you're you start to pay attention when the same rumor pops up multiple places. Like, okay, maybe there's, if there's a smoke, there's fire. Yes, fire. Yeah. It's one, when it's one thing or when it's really out of place, that's not, not a place rumor. Uh, that front office comes from Cleveland and they've also been connected with Nieto. So it's like, it makes sense uh, just in general. So if they don't take him, the twins to me are fascinating because there's this longstanding view. Like, oh, are they going to go bury? They're going to go cross. They're going to go college guys. And yeah, that has been their MO until last year when they took Chase Petty. Like, could they be a Dylan Lesko team? I've heard that there's someone in the top 10 who's considering it. And it's like, oh, that could make sense, right? Could they be the team? It's like, we don't view ourselves as picking this high ever again. Maybe we go for elite talent. Maybe we get that guy. It's like, and if they don't take Collier, I don't think he's going nine or 10. So then I think it's the Mets at 11. So I think it's either, again, if he gets through that first group, I think it's Twins or Mets. And then I think the Mets are kind of just sitting there hoping someone like that falls. Yeah. I mean, that's probably a best case scenario for the Mets. They have two picks. Obviously they can be a little more uh, daring with some of their choices. Cause if one guy doesn't hit, you have another there. And so getting one of those top guys to drop feels like it would be absolutely like best case scenario for them. Uh, in just a minute, I do want to kind of talk a little bit about some of these pitchers. I've seen some new whispers. You mentioned let's go in the top 10. I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can get the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news. Um, 
obviously, Major League Baseball, we have the draft. We have the home run derby this weekend. We've got um, the the Futures game is on Saturday, but there's lines up there for the All-Star game. There's lines up there for the rest of the season, even down to which managers are going to get fired next. So BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information and the best source for your sports scores and news this season. Uh, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. You you broke the seal on it. I kind of want to go ahead and get into that conversation because we've been saying for a while now that obviously a very, very down college pitching class and then the top prep pitcher, Dylan Lesko, t- uh, competing for the number one overall pick, has to have a Tommy John and is falling down the board. How likely is it that we don't have a pitcher in the top 10? Because if that happened this year, that would be the first time in history it's happened. How likely is it you think that, that, that that's what shakes out on Sunday? I think it's probably 60-40 that there's no pitcher because, you know, you just look at that clear grouping and then after that kind of top seven, you know, the Rockies have been all about college bats. The Royals seem to be locked in on Crawford. So it's like, the only places where you really even consider a pitcher are the twins who've mostly been reported to be on bats, but you know, I, I'm just want to throw it out there because last year they weren't, you know, no one had them on chase Petty and then uh, the Royals who, you know, some people Brock Porter was a constant to them uh, and that does fit their MO, but I, you know, it'd be interesting to see how this uh, shakes out overall. But yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I don't have a, a pitcher. My highest ranked pitcher is in the late teens in this class. So I, I don't blame any team, and I definitely wouldn't be the one to break the seal if I was uh, a top 10 team. Let's go ahead and get it out of the way because we kind of I feel like we kind of have to do this. You have a theory as to who the Royals are going to take at nine overall. Yeah, I've, I've kind of locked into Crawford there. Uh, yes, this is the team. I was looking dra- for the joke. Oh, oh, my jokes. Oh, sorry. No. Okay. I'll go back for my joke. Uh, no, uh, Robert Moore, uh, go take, you know, they can, this, cause here's the logic, right? Okay. Yeah. It's, it's the manager's son, which a lot of people will, would, would, they can be like, Hey, he was a legitimate top 15 talent before the year began. He had a down year. He's young for the class. He's an up the middle talent. We are buying low. And then we're going to use those savings on bigger names later. Yeah. What, so, like, even though we just traded our competitive balance pick, so we have less pool and we have less opportunities to come back and get like the best player left on the board, uh, that we're you know that's that's our logic. Yeah, and and I that's the, that's the thing about the Royals is it's it could happen, it could legitimately happen, but but yeah, like like the whole conversation of where does the pitcher land and is it Dylan Lesko, is it Brock Porter, or do you see one of these? these college pitchers popping up. I mean, there's been obviously tons of helium behind um, Cade Horton from Oklahoma. He shot up the boards after the college world series. I think one of the big wild cards here in this first round, because we have, we're pretty confident it's going to happen. We just don't know where is Kumar rocker. Uh, We've seen him pitch now in, you know, in the front, the frontier league just looked like we would expect him to look been his dominant self. I think the competition level there is considered to be kind of high A or so, maybe double A. But uh, right now, off the riff, where do you necessarily kind of expect to see Kumar Rocker? And where is it going to surprise you if he does end up? You know, Philadelphia makes some sense, I think. Uh, just where they're spotted and you know who they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'd be I, 17 for everybody. Yeah, it'd be 17 is a high. I, I don't think the Padres <sighs> are in. I'm I'm thinking it's it's the 20s or it's later. I, I mean, maybe the Reds, just because they have the flexibility. He's okay. So we know it was a minor sh- shoulder surgery. And, and they sent notes, but not imaging to team. the teams. And if I was a team and I don't have his image, I take him off my board. He's undraftable. Like, and I am not alone in saying that. Uh, the fact that they're refusing to give medicals. I mean, he could slide. He could massively slide. This, they needed to send imaging. If they're not going to send that, I can, I, I can think of at least five to ten teams right now that just having talked with people in the past wouldn't even consider drafting him because of what's happened in the past. You know, I bring up the Brady Aiken situation, but we've seen other players where it's like Tommy John isn't a hundred percent recovery. You know, right. it's, it's not, we, we tend to get in this thing. Well, every, every pitcher is going to get it at some point, you know, it's like a positive Dylan Lesko's got it out of the way. Sometimes they have it multiple times. And then sometimes they don't come back quite the same guy. And you can look with rocker and yeah, he's looked good. We know he had some issue that scared the Mets to such a degree that they didn't even offer him. Like when, when Brady Aiken was drafted, uh, Houston tried to load, they offered him the minimum they could offer him. They made an attempt to sign him. And if he takes that contract, uh, you know, history gets rewritten, but you know, he didn't. The, the Mets saw something there that was so scary. They didn't even do that. They didn't offer him any contract at all. So I think, right. you know, like I said, if I was running a team, I wouldn't, you know, if I was going to redo my top 50, he'd be out of it. Like I would not draft him if I can't see those medicals. Just that's an end of story for me. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's something obviously we've, we've talked about the state of pitching. And when you talk about the pitching in this class, you have to talk about the prep pitching, the college pitching, and then Kumar Rockers in a world of his own. Cause like you said, we have so many questions. We know there are numerous teams that are going to be out on him. We just don't necessarily know where he's going to land. When you look at some of the college pitchers, and this is more so of, you know, like something that I just kind of want to get into because I've, I've watched a lot of these college pitchers more than I've watched the prep pitchers this year. But I keep going back and forth on who I think is going to be the first college pitcher taken because I look at a guy like a Cooper, uh, Cooper Yerpy from Oregon State, and he's a lefty, he's got a great track record, and he has a lot of the advanced metrics and things that teams like, the spin rates on some of the pitches, things like that. But... I just I keep going back and forth on who's going to be that first college pitcher. Is it going to be him? Is it going to be Gabriel Hughes out of Gonzaga? Or could it possibly be Cade Horton out of Oklahoma? Do you think that the College World Series performance of Cade Horton is enough for him to climb and be the first college pitcher taken? Or do you think it's kind of going to, going to go chalk and be one of those um, existing guys like a Hughes or like a Yerby? You know, it's, it's a situation where we see it have effects. I, I don't know how much you can push him that high. I mean, it seems like it when you go and you look at enough places, people are putting him up there and it's because they're mm-hmm. hearing things. But let's be honest before the college world series, we weren't even really talking about him as a draft prospect just because he's a dra- draft eligible sophomore. His stuff really hadn't come back. He was a really interesting high school pro- uh, prospect, a legit two way guy, but how much can you base off of one good run? And, and like, for me, he's not in my top 50. Cause like, I'm not going to base everything off of that small of a sample size. And I know there's someone yelling at me like, but you put Reggie Crawford in there and his is even smaller. And it's like, that's fair. But, 
but Horton is going to cost a lot more than a Reggie Crawford. And I don't Mm -hmm. think the ceiling is necessarily as high. I I mean, yeah, it's it's a great two pitch combination, but do we feel like there's a third pitch that we trust? You know, is there high? I think he probably does go in the top 30. Could he be the top one off the board? Yeah. I mean, if the right team falls in love and think, Hey, we're getting, the only reason we're getting him is because of the limited innings instead of viewing it as we don't have enough data. Right. Uh, someone might be like, okay, we're getting the steal of the draft here. And he was, like I said, he was a legit two-way player at high school, legit potential, you know, top right-handed pitcher in his class. Uh, the injury held him back and it does take a while to recover. So it's a logical progression for him in terms of health. Like you're not really worried about that. It's how much can you buy just that performance? And like for someone like me, I'm Leary. I also understand the point of view of others. Yeah. And I think the thing that that he has going for him, if you decide to go ahead and buy the performance, is the fact that that you have all of the advanced analytics on him from Omaha. So they had TrackMan set up. I think the, the, the Creighton analytics team was running that whole thing. And so they were sharing all the metrics. And so all the teams have access to every pitch he threw in Omaha and can kind of see what he looked like as he was coming back. But like you said, 53 and two-thirds innings, uh, in his college career, because obviously Tommy John last year didn't actually pitch this year until late March. Uh, was actually, I think he was playing third base to start the season for Oklahoma. If that kind of tells you, like you said, two way prospect, the kind of athlete that he was. Um, but definitely just something to kind of watch is how is this pitching going to shake out? Well, I think we can agree it's been a pretty down year as far as college pitching is considered. And so, uh, and, and, and for me, a lot of the guys that end up in there, whether it's a Connor Prelip out of Alabama the, who missed the season with Tommy John but threw right before the SEC tournament, threw a bullpen and looked pretty good from what I understand. Uh, just I see a lot of these pitchers kind of fitting in a little bit later than they normally would, kind of you know 40 through 60. I could see a run on some college pitchers there because nobody's really kind of lifted themselves ahead of the rest of the group other than maybe um, maybe a European you know, and a few others. Yeah, it's it's a hard group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we all agree. It's like between the injury. I mean, the, the that's probably like the on some level, that's just the story of this whole pitching class. The college group, right, is just the the injury level. Like you Landon can go Sims, through. There's just so many guys. Prelip and uh, you know even some of the guys like Hunter Barco, who's not necessarily a hard thrower, but was just an interesting pitcher. It's like. Man, where they were, <laughs> you yeah, talk about Reggie Crawford. He's fascinating. I have no idea where he's going to go. Uh, I don't think he's going to Tennessee in spite of the picture that University of Tennessee shared the other day where, uh, you know, he's uh, he's transferring there. But I, I, I don't see that happening. It was must have been a fun day for him. It was a little bit. I was just like, hey, you know what? Live your best life, kid. Yeah, if you want to go mean, and tour and get some free gear. Hey, go tour and get your free gear. Enjoy the trip. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Definitely one of the stories to watch of the draft. And in just a minute, I I do want to get into some of our favorite kind of sleeper picks, guys who maybe uh, aren't necessarily rated where we think they should be on the draft boards. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Uh, you've probably already tried the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but now they have a Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. So it's the flavor you love, the Coconut Brownie Chunk, but it's wrapped in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, very delicious. This is one of those limited time flavors that we talk about all the time that you have to jump on it when it's there, uh, get it quickly. So go to built.com, 
you know, go search all of the flavors, the regular flavors, the limited time, the special occasion ones. Uh, this is obviously a great mix of delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. So go to, go to built.com, get your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now. While you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. It's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. Okay, everybody I feel like has their guys that they're just a fan of and they think a lot of people are sleeping on. So uh, let's kind of go back and forth a little bit here and just take some turns. Give me a guy that you think more people should be talking about in this draft class that are not. Now I've, I've got my go-to guy, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to throw out a, a different name, uh, a name that I don't think we've discussed at all. Uh, it's it, his name's Griffin Dorshing and Oklahoma state instead of Oklahoma. And he had, I believe the highest exit velocity this entire year on a pitch. Uh, he crushes balls. Crushes balls. Yeah. He might be like in the history of like collecting data. And, and you know, we think about what Ivan Melendez and um, Tommy white and uh, Spencer Jones are, and then realize that Dorshing who, you know, health is an issue. He's a fifth year senior. I want to say he's an older player. Mm-hmm. He's a DH. There's a lot of reasons, but like, if you can get him as an underslot guy on not die underslot guy on day two, like it's just interesting from that perspective that his exit velocities are unreal. Like literally, the strongest hit balls in college baseball last year came from him. So if as we look at the value in such things, you you have to look at him. And again, maybe he's not you know he's not my big name guy. He's not the guy I'm talking about as someone for day one of the draft. But when we get right down to just an interesting prospect, a guy who maybe deserves a little bit more talk, you know, I, you know, I know you're an Auburn guy, so there's Sonita there. And then there's uh, Ivan Melendez, who I wrote about, mm-hmm. who's interesting just from the utter dominance. And again, Dorshing had injuries. He didn't play this whole year. But if you're looking for that kind of just big, big guy, a little bit older, can hit, he should probably get a little more run in that group. Now, he's not quite, I mean, he's not that tier, but like he should get at least an honorable mention when we start talking about those types, in my opinion. Yeah, and on those types, and I, I picked this player before you picked yours, but Sonny Share was going to be my guy. <laughs> uh, you know, so so Auburn's first baseman, and you, you mentioned him, another one of those, those pro, you know, probably headed for DH, super powerful guys. Uh, transferred into Auburn from Samford for his senior year. Um, just led the nation in on-base percentage, 565. Top 25 in batting average, just under 400, 399. Um, and, you know, in the SEC, obviously, to to finish where he did as far as just about every stat you can imagine, whether it's, it's walks, on-base percentage, slugging, batting average, home runs, everything. One of those guys that, that could handle premium velocity, could handle elite spin, uh, velocity changes, a lot of that kind of stuff. And some of the same concerns as Dorshing, you know, he's probably destined to be a DH. He'll actually turn 23 right after the draft. So another guy that I kind of see him as a a uh, late in day two under slot signing, but somebody who I absolutely think is going to make your organization better and is going to give you a chance to, to use, hit for both contact and power in your organization. And somebody who I think could, definitely contribute at a major league level one day. So it's funny you mentioned Dorshin because I had the exact same profile in mind. Um, give me somebody else. Let's, let's get away from the first from the first base DH kind of guys. Give me somebody else who you think that uh, we're not necessarily giving the proper credit on that we should be. 
so everyone's waiting for me to to mention my my guy, and that's Chandler Simpson from Georgia Tech. Uh, and if you've heard me anywhere else, you know this is my go-to. And mm-hmm. he was awesome in the Northwoods League. He's been dynamic so far in the Cape. Uh, it, he is a slap hitter. I mean, he is nothing but slap. But uh, he was one of three Power uh, Five conference players to be one of the hardest players to strike out. Mm-hmm. I think he ended up leading the nation in batting average. I might be wrong, but either way, he hit over 400. Uh, he's playing shortstop. You want to put him in center because he has 80 grade speed. So on top of, you know, the fact that you're talking about a player who had elite contact rates, which we're seeing more and more the value in contact rates. But when you look at like the elite speed plus the contact rates, he can walk as well. It's not just one of those guys where he doesn't strike out, but he doesn't walk either. It's a decent walk rate. He's, he's not going to be dynamic. I mean, outside of on the base pads, but if you, it, it's just a, a low, He's a rather safe player in the regard that, okay, if it doesn't work out too well, because yeah, he's a 20 grade power. There is no power at all there. It's like, he's going to be a perfect utility guy. Cause you know, he has experience at short. He's got an arm that he can play multiple spots and then he's going to just be an absolute burner. Uh, If he's a platoon guy, that's fine. Cause again, with his speed, I think he'll turn into an above average to plus defender in center. Uh, You put him out there and you just have him bat ninth. And he, you know, he becomes a, better potentially better offensively billy hamilton because hamilton was a bit of a free swinger he didn't have that command you know he was a guy who ran and was an awesome defender Mm -hmm. but this guy commands his own better and you know he on top of just leading the nation batting average this was his first year in division one dropped into the acc which for my money is the second best conference in the in the country it's it's a very strong one it's like for me it's you know it's sec acc and then a huge gap before we really talk about the next group it's like those are the standouts and I always place value in that guy who drops into a very hard situation, hits and it, he gets dropped into a hard situation, gets put at shortstop, a very hard position and, and hits the ground running. And he's not top 100 anywhere. So I'm way out on a limb. I have him 33rd on my board. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm maybe I'm crazy, but I just I I'm willing to look past having one massive. Well, I know there's more than one, but he's got one huge flaw when I can see all the other things that could lead to him being a major league talent. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like him. I, it is a flaw. I I just recently did uh, the Farm Friday for the Twins, and they've got a couple guys in that system that tons of contact, can't necessarily generate a lot of power, and they're kind of struggling with getting those guys up to the big league level because they, they're having trouble putting them in as regulars without the power. But I think a guy that it's there's a, there's a role on every team for a, a defensive replacement pitch runner who can – be your fourth outfielder who can start for you every, you know, whenever you need him to and can give you plus defense. So I, I think he's a good pick. My guy, I I say this, and then I was looking, I was looking at him up to just confirm some details about his age. And I realized I think I he's probably correctly rated, and I just already have him picked. But Jacob Melton, the outfielder from Oregon State, he's in there. I've seen him a lot in the the 30s. I think he's a first round talent. I think he's probably one of the better of the college outfielders in this class of that big mass of outfielders. We always see kind of towards the back of the first round. Uh, I think he's one of the better ones he's played. He's played right field. He's played first base. He's played center field this year. Um, I mean, 15 home runs, 21 doubles, 20 for 21 on stolen bases. So the, I, I think some of what has scared some people off from reports I've seen are the mechanics are a little bit wonky. I mean, he's got a, 
really unorthodox swing, ton of moving parts to it, but it's working for him so far. I think that there's a there's the ability to streamline it a bit at the next level, but he can he can hit breaking balls, he can hit off speed pitches, he can hit um, elite velo, he can put home runs to all fields. I watched him in the the super regional, just put on an absolute clinic for three days, uh, both defensively and offensively, being the best threat on this Oregon State team, and so. Jacob Melton, I, he probably the third, the third or fourth best outfielder in the class to me, and he's kind of grouped in with everybody else there. Uh, you know, early second round, middle second round, where I think he probably should be a little bit higher, somewhere in the twenties. Yeah, I I have him mid twenties, and it's he's not all that um, dissimilar in age to Jude Fabian. I want to say, yeah. I want to say they're kind of close. It's just. It's a, a different skill set, but the the tools production and it's you know Oregon State seems to just uh, it's a program you trust development right, wise yeah. in terms of hitting. So no, I think uh, I I agree he should be in that kind of top you know topish group of outfielders. Uh, just kind of looking at all of those guys, like I, I'd much rather, for instance, w- relative to where they're going to go, I'd rather have Melton than Cross. Right. You know, or yeah. So, okay. Draft is in from the time you're listening to this draft is in, you know, 36 hours or so on Sunday night. Reminder, we are going live uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night. Me and Jeff going live. We will be on. I believe it's going to be on both Locked on MLB Prospects and Locked on Guardians, I think. But either way, we will be live on Sunday night. Tune into that. And then obviously all of next week we'll have, um, draft updates and and big board updates and signing updates. If folks want to follow along, not only with your draft work, but also with the the team you cover, Jeff, how can they do that? Uh, You know, you can go and subscribe to Locked on Guardians on uh, the YouTubes. And then uh, you can follow me at Jeff MLB Draft. I'm going to be all over on draft night itself. I'm going to hop on. We're going to have our show. I'm going to have my show and I'm hopping on two other shows at least. So yeah, if you just want to, you know, be following me throughout the night. I'll have uh, some fun stops to talk about what, because it is kind of a bit of an unknown draft, which should be a very fun draft this year. Yeah. And I'm really hoping that there's some sort of interesting and really fun, um, crazy moves happen just so we have, uh, we can kind of react to it in real time on that live show. I'm on Twitter at Crosby baseball. My show locked on MLB prospects is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can follow it on Twitter at, at Locked On Farm. And just reminder again, Sunday night, 9 p.m., we are going live on YouTube to recap the first round and preview days two and three of the MLB draft. Um, until then, 